Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everybody. That's right. This is the Eurotrip. Thank you very much for finding us on your favorite uh, podcasting app and clicking play. Now, unfortunately for you, or maybe fortunately, depending on how much you enjoyed it or not, it's a one-episode week this week. There is no Melfest special, it's just us here in our traditional Wednesday slot. But James, surely, given that it's a one-episode week, you have still got a treat for the listeners in Poetry Corner. You said you weren't going to out me like that. I've not done one. Oh, hold on, hold on. You hold there. I think I might, I might have one here. I'll have a look. Have you always got one just, just there, just in case? A break glass in case of emergencies, Eurovision poet. That is that is true. Um, I was writing one the other week. And uh, no, I'm only halfway through. A three-line poem, I'm halfway through. <laughs> Can we have the first three words of that poem just as a tease because then maybe next week we can have the full thing very good okay here we go here's the first three words of my next eurovision haiku back to school how very very intriguing this is the euro trip let the dance macabre begin Warm welcome. I know the only one show in the world that combines it all. Singing, music, dancing, traditional and ethnic styles. It's massive. It's twice the Super Bowl. It's like 200 million people. When we reach the end of the show in approximately three to eight hours, we will have a new champion. Now let's get to it. Are you ready to party Europe? It is easy what they say. What I say. This is the Eurotrip. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, your favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And this week, a very exciting guest. It's the first time we've ever had a presenter of the Eurovision Song Contest on the podcast. It's Katis Alstrom. That's right, Katis was the presenter alongside Anders Lundin 
of the Eurovision Song Contest 2000. But it was really, really interesting to get uh, onto the show because we never hear from former Eurovision presenters, do we? We hear from past acts, we hear from past participants, but we don't get the presenters on so much. And they've got a fascinating insight, which is one that you never really hear. I love this interview this week. I listened to it a little bit earlier on. She's got some fantastic stories because, like you say, we're so used to hearing from the singers and recently we've heard from people who used to be head of delegation and we're getting a really wide range of guests and who have a really wide view on the contest. So fantastic to hear from her this week. Yeah, you talk about these crazy, interesting stories that Cassis has for you this week. She does have plenty, including this one, which is how she injured herself the night before the grand final itself. I was looking in my script and suddenly I went in something that was hanging down from the roof, like boing. Oh, you know, my makeup artist, she did a brilliant job because she had to cover that the day after. Now that is a story you want to hear a little bit more about. You can hear that in full a little bit later on. But don't forget, we've got the European quiz coming up. We've got the news in 90 and of course, the one second song is back. The one second song is back. I'm still riding high from the success of my one second song. And by success, I mean you got everything absolutely wrong. Couldn't have been further away. So that's delightful. Anyway, you're listening on Acast, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Euro Trip. This is the Euro Trip. So hello and welcome. That's right. This is episode 19 of the Euro Trip. Thank you as ever if you've been with us since day one, since back in August. That's mad, isn't it? Also, thank you very much if you had listened to our bonus episode, which came out on Friday, looking at the Melfest 2021 Act announcement. That's still up there if you want to have a listen. We've got all sorts of great reaction on there. But it's not just Melfest that is happening at the moment, of course. The Eurovision season for 2021 is ramping up. We're getting more and more stuff happening, more and more countries announcing some sort of news. So it is time for the news in 90. It's back this week. And with the honour of delivering said news is Eurovoir's Alistair Brown. Alistair, hello. Hi, third time lucky. <laughs> third time lucky. And this time... I think you've probably got more to talk about than you've had before because we're just a little bit closer to Eurovision. Yeah, we are. Um, we've got a bit of more of a balance. So I think we're heading away from junior Eurovision now and we're heading full pelt to Rotterdam. Full pelt to Rotterdam sounds nice. James, what do you, what do you think we might be talking about this week? I don't know. I've just been swamped with Melfest over the last seven days and I think everybody has. So I'm, more than anything, really looking forward to seeing what Alistair has for us. Uh, because clearly, Melfest hasn't been the only thing on the card. Junior Eurovision hasn't been the only thing on the card. So, Alistair, you've been delving into the U of One news desk. You found, I hope at least, 90 seconds worth of news for us. So, if you are ready, your time starts in three, two, one, go. Okay, fresh from their win at Junior Eurovision last weekend, France Television have already stated their desire to host the 2021 contest in France. Head of Delegation have said it's very early in the process and will speak to the EBU about the possibility of the contest coming to France for the first time. No city has been mentioned yet. 
However, with Junior Eurovision now complete, the spotlight, spotlight turns back to Rotterdam for Eurovision 2021. This week, Dutch broadcasters have released the official artwork for the 2021 contest. The slogan remains as Open Up and the new logo is similar to that of last year, but is described as an abstract presentation inspired by the map of the world and visually connects the lo- locations of the capital of the 41 participating countries with Rotterdam as Europe's beating heart. Elsewhere in in Estonia, uh, they have revealed all 24 of their entries competing in Estilau 2021. Among them are several familiar faces who will be returning, including Koitsume, Tanya, Yuri Putzman and Uko Savitste, to name a few. In Greece, broadcasters have already confirmed Stefania will return in 2021. They have now confirmed that her song is also likely to be internally selected. In Italy, it is reported that Diodato has sent an entry for consideration at San Remo with hopes of eventually making it back to Eurovision before it was cancelled last year. Portugal have confirmed that the final of Festival de Cancel 2021 will be taking place on the 6th of March. And, and that is your time oh. up. You just squeaked in the date of Portugal's national selection. And Rightly so, you didn't mention Melfest because we covered that in great detail, as Rob mentioned earlier, in last week's bonus episode. So well done, you filled the 90 seconds, but we've got to choose something to talk about in a little bit more detail. And I'm going to take the executive decision, Rob. I want to talk about Estonia and Esti Lauer. Um, because in 2019, I sort of fell in love with this uh, with this national selection. Let's let's look ahead to 2021, and there's a lot of names on there, a lot of names we've heard of. Uh, the songs have recently been released as well. So restrictions permitting, if I was to go in 2021, Alistair, do you think I'd have a good time? I think so. I'm I'm going to be completely honest. Esther Lau has kind of passed me by over the years. Um, I like to keep a keep a small number of national finals that I follow because my philosophy is if you. If you haven't seen it, nothing like it won't hurt you. Whatever you don't know won't hurt you. I could write you an essay about my love for Esti Lau 2019. Uh, I know Rob is obsessed with Belarus and I'm obsessed with Rambo. I'm going to put Rambo to a side and I, honestly, 2019 was the place to be. Rob, what have you got a love for Esti Lau at all? I enjoy Esti Lau. I, I don't know whether it was last year. I don't think it was. It was Esti Lau a few years ago um, where they had an artist called Alva. She sang a song called Arrows. That was a beautiful song. I remember being devastated that that didn't make it through to, I can't remember which Eurovision it was at the time. But this year's Esti Lau, I am very excited about because, of course, we've got Uku returning, who would have represented Estonia in 2020, with a very different sounding song. So he's returning with a song called The Lucky One. And you mentioned, Alistair, we've got some familiar faces. We've got uh, Koit Tum or Koit Tume, however you pronounce his name. None of us are Estonian, uh, who has been to Eurovision twice before and could go back again. Are we happy that we see so many artists who keep sort of coming back for more? And, and this isn't just about Esti Laul, I suppose. We saw a lot of it in Melody Festival as well last week with a lot of artists that have already been to Eurovision and want to go again. I think it's great. I think there's like a hunger, like it it just shows that the contest isn't dying. It shows that it boosts you and maybe you want a second boost or even a third boost for Coit's in Coit's situation. I personally, I haven't heard the songs yet. I would love it to see Yuri Putzman go back again because I think he was criminally over underrated in 2016. So 
hopefully, hopefully that's a good thing to see so many on the list. James, you are the president of the Yuri Putzman fan club, so I feel like now's the time for you to talk. His song for 2021. That is the winner, guys. Uh, Alistair, I know you said you haven't heard them yet, but don't bother. Listen to Yuri Putzman's song and uh, you've heard the winner of SD Live. You may well have heard the winner of Eurovision 2021 if you listen to that track. Oh, here he is. Old Prediction James is back at it again. For goodness sake. Um, the song that I've picked out that isn't from one of the artists that we've heard before, um, I think I've, now it's one of those things where, you know, when you can't quite trust your own handwriting, that's mm. what's happened here. It's on a little post-it in front of me. I've gone for uh, Haleza. I think she's called Haleza. And it's not just me misspelling Helena. Uh, and the song is simply called Six. It's just the number six. But I quite enjoy it. It's quite a sexy song. A sexy song. That's right. A sexy song. Estonia are full of the old sexy songs. Just look at Dave Benton. You tell me, come on, everybody, doesn't get you going. Well, I think we're better move swiftly on before we become any more uncomfortable with what Rob has just said. Um, And it's time to hear this week's first play of the one second song. So Alistair, there it was, the first play of this week's one second song. Initial thoughts, please. I think this might be the song that I thought a couple of weeks back was and then changed my mind at the last minute. So (laughs) that's a very cryptic answer there. Now, does that mean you've got four points in the bag, you reckon? You've got a point for the song, the artist, the country and the year. How many do you think you're going to get? Well, I think my standard catchphrase is that I'm either going to get four or I'm going to get zero. So we shall see. Let's keep our fingers crossed for four. Uh, Alistair will send me his guess in a message in just a moment. We'll find out what his guess is a little bit later on. When Rob hears it for the first time, you can play along at home too. Uh, Tweet us at Eurotrip Podcast and let us know what guess you have got. Uh, But Alistair, it is time to say goodbye. But until we hear from you next time, where can people go to find all of the latest Eurovision news? So you can find it on Eurovoir. We've got Eurovoir.com and we're also on the social media. So we've got Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. This is the Eurotrip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. Hi, my name is Kathy Sahlström and I was hosting the Eurovision Song Contest 2000. Warm welcome to uh, the podcast Eurotrip. Well, 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 that was the one second song, or at least your first chance to hear the one second song this week. You heard Alistair's response, which I didn't actually, although the listeners just have. James, how's Alistair feeling about the one second song this week? Uh, Like he always is, bit bit of 50-50, but I think this week, I'm not going to give much away, but I think I played a little bit of a curveball. Okay, okay, we like a curveball on the one second song. Oh, well, I've got that to look forward to later. Uh, But now, before the European quiz, it is time for part one of my chat with the host, or at least one of the hosts, of Eurovision 2000. That's right, we're going back 20 years on the podcast this week. And this is the lady who, uh, for the first time I found out, she is one of the people who, who appears in our little opening montage as well, isn't she? Yes, she is. This is the first person that we've managed to get from the opening montage 
on to the podcast itself. She says, a very warm welcome, and a very warm welcome to you, Katis Olstrom. Welcome to the podcast. I should have said that to her, really, shouldn't I? And then that would have been a nice, nice full <laughs> circle, but unfortunately I didn't when we had a chat last week. The 2000 Eurovision Song Contest took place on the 13th of May, 2000. Of course, ultimately won by the Olsen Brothers from Denmark with their song Fly on the Wings of Love. James, what a winner. Fly on the wings. Yep, very good. That's enough of that. Good. Buy me. That was. Don't do that again. Fly, baby, fly. Reaching the. Is it cloud of stars? I think it's stars followed by cl- reaching the stars. Above. Ugh, I'm not sure. We've murdered that enough. Anyway, <laughs> good. Anyway, they won Eurovision in 2000, uh, and the woman who told them that they had won, indeed, at the end of that long voting sequence, was Cassie Salstrom, uh, as we've said already. She hosted the contest in the Globin alongside Anders Lundin, and I started our chat by asking how it was that she got into presenting in the first place. Ooh, it's a long time ago. Uh, more, more or less, I would say it's a coincidence, because I thought that I was going to be a doctor, a medical doctor, and I was like, well, uh, not really yet. Just I'm just going to do this and this. And I, I did some very uh, hilarious, very fun things on television. And I was like going on with it and it never ended. And suddenly I'm, I'm too old to, get, to be a doctor. So I've been in television for so many years. Uh, so I started with uh, um, like uh, from one night to another, I had a very big audience because we did this uh, large entertaining program on a Saturday and well, you know, and I, I, I got stuck. So I'm still there. <laughs> That's the thing, you know, it, it's amazing to have such a, a brilliant career that you've had and, and still continue to have on, on television in, in Sweden. What role did Eurovision begin to play in that career? Was it Melody Festival in 1994? Oh, you know about that. Yes, it was in 94. Oh my God, my hair by then, it was crazy. My God, I was looking like an airplane accident actually, but I loved it. Did having, having done Melody Festival and yourself before presenting it, did that prepare you in any way for what came with Eurovision? No, the answer is no, but this is so much bigger. And, oh, you know, we, we were like, uh, we, had, we had so many rehearsals. We, we really wanted to, to be perfect. And I don't know if you remember, but the year 2000, it's, it take a new step, I think. It was like going down a bit and, and it was like boring. And we thought, no, we're going to be best. We're going to do a, a really great show. And I think that they managed to do that. Um, you're so young. Do you, do you remember it? The opening to Eurovision yeah. 2000 is... Yeah. Now, I was seven, so I didn't, I didn't watch it live at the time. But <laughs> ha- having looked back, it's my favourite ever opening to Eurovision because the whole thing is so dramatic and it feels so exciting. You've got that opening sequence where you, you've got the female voice whispering all of the country's names... And yeah. then the focus just goes in on this young girl on the stage. She shouts, welcome Europe. And then yeah. the party starts, basically. Yeah, I love it. Israel, Netherlands, United Kingdom, Estonia, France, Romania, Malta, Norway, Russia, Belgium, Cyprus. 
I, I, yeah, I have the same feeling. I mean, if it, because it's it's also a, a kind of feeling of that it's serious. I mean, it, we're we're coming together. It's some kind of a feeling of peace and and being uh, doing this together, all these countries. And well, at that time it was important. That's why I think it's so important this year too to just to just uh, join and and, and uh, being in some kind of fellowship. And we wanted to talk all the languages. We called all the embassies just to have the right pronunciation. It was horrible. And I still remember it. I said, still remember some of the lines. I, I remember the uh, I, Icelandic. It's very hard, uh, difficult uh, language. In <laughs> 20 years on, you can still remember. Fantastic. I remember it, <laughs> yes. At what stage did you find out that you had been selected as one of the hosts for the contest? Because, of course, you know, it's such a long build-up to yeah, such I a did. massive show. So how, how far before the event did you know that you'd be doing it? I believe it was like at least six months, but I think it's longer, like eight months before. And uh, we start to rehearse from the beginning, like... How many steps are you going to take? What are we going to say and everything? And, and uh, listen to the songs when they came in. So I think, yeah, it was at least half a year preparation. Had you worked with Anders before? Uh, well, we had, uh, I think we did some radio together, but I don't think we, we really did. No, not, not the regular program, no. We knew each other and we had some radio activities together, but no, nothing like that. Did SVT then put any effort into kind of you two and your chemistry? Because that was that's what's such an important thing, especially when you have obviously two presenters for an event as big as Eurovision is, is the yes, chemistry between the two of you. And the chemistry yeah. between the two of you was fantastic. So did a lot of work go into that or did that come naturally? Well, both, I would say both. But we had some kind of, of chemistry that is great. And, and I think Anders is uh, such a lovely person because... You know, it's so hard to be two together. And maybe you do it yourself sometimes. But, you know, when you're going to co-host with somebody, you really need to take in the other person because otherwise you don't feel that you, you, uh, it's something, uh, it's, it, it doesn't sparkle. He's like my brother. It's always interesting, isn't it, James, how these Eurovision presenters get on or they don't get on. I like to think the presenters maybe of, of 98, for example, Terry Wogan and Ulrika Johnson. I like to think they were best mates going back. But it is nice to hear that Katis and Anders actually did get on. It's it's very similar to us, actually, because we get on uh, like a house on fire. We're like brothers as well, aren't we? We are, although the one difference between Katis and Anders and me and you is that, unfortunately, through, I assume, some sort of oversight, we have not yet hosted the Eurovision Song Contest. Although I can only imagine that that call is, is, is waiting. It's in the pipeline somewhere. It's in the pipeline. But she nearly didn't even host Eurovision itself because she said at the top there, she thought about being a doctor and we wouldn't have actually seen her at the contest or even Melody Festival in either. That's right. No, she started uh, She started her journey with Eurovision at Melfest there in, in 1994. She said the hair was, well, she said it was a bit like an aeroplane accident. I would recommend you have a little Google of Katis Elstrom Melody Festival in 1994 because that is a treat. However, I don't think that's much to say about her, more to say about the general fashion of 1994. I, I was one in 1994. James, I can't even say you were a fetus. You presumably weren't even a fetus back in 1994. Hadn't even been thought about 
has even been not even a consideration in your direction. Anyway, there is a lot of wonderful stuff to come from Katis in part two of the interview, including, you heard her talk about it in the opener as well, an injury that she suffered the night before hosting the contest itself. So we've got that to look forward to a little bit later on. But now it is back yet again. It is time for the European quiz. And here is Sam to tell us which country we're being quizzed on this week. It's December, it's almost Christmas, and it's also just been Independence Day in a particularly Christmassy region. Here are three questions about Finland. Now, James, I think it's an oversight from me not to have stuck a bell on this, on the music in the background. It would have been nice for a bit of a festive feel, wouldn't it? It would have been, but uh, I'm wearing my Christmassy jumper. You can't see that at home, but Rob, nice, nice jumper. Nice puddings. Nice puddings. I'll talk the listeners through it. We've got a nice blue jumper. Got a traditional ho-ho-ho on there. We've got some... Oh, there's some Santas. There's some lights. The lights don't light up, unfortunately, because James is too tight and couldn't afford a jumper that <laughs> lights up. And we've got some puddings. Are the puddings wearing little hats as well, or are they just puddings? That's just puddings. Yeah. I found out the other day that Christmas puddings and Christmas cakes are entirely different things. But there you have it. I beg your pardon. You found out last week <laughs> that they are different things. It may have been a fortnight ago, yes. Uh... There we go. It's, uh, it, uh, you know, learning as, as every day passes by. How? Sorry. How have you got this far thinking that Christmas pudding and Christmas cake were the same thing, you absolute you, lunatic? Do you know the difference? Well, yes, one's a Christmas pudding and one's a Christmas cake. <laughs> and tell me, give me the, the anatomical breakdown of one, one or the other, because I bet uh, you can't. Well, one's got uh, marzipan on the top and one's, one doesn't, for a start. <laughs> And one's in one's in the shape of a cake, and one isn't. Goodness sake. Anyway, here is Sam with question number one. Goodness sake. Finland have only hosted Eurovision once, but they made the most of it, inviting the world's most famous Finn, Santa, who graced the stage by saying, I know you all because I visit your homes every Christmas, before naming random members of the audience, Teresa, Little Peter, Maria. Can you remember who is the final name on Santa's list? Now, this is just ridiculous. This is just like when you go to your village fair and they say, how many jelly beans are in the jar? And it could literally be anything whatsoever. Apart from it's harder than that because there are not six billion jelly beans (laughs) in the jar. Whereas there are around about that people in the world, I think. I might be a little bit off. So any name, we're basically going to come up with a random, probably finished name, which will be incorrect, and Sam knows that. Well, the first three so far have been Teresa, Little Little Peter, to be precise, not Big Peter, and Maria. So they are all fairly English enough Just Maria. Did Maria not get a surname? Uh, neither did Teresa. Oh, oh, Teresa Little Peter was her first name. I don't know. We've got Teresa, Little Peter. And Maria. <laughs> I see, so we're looking for the fourth name. Do you not recall Santa's list in 2007? I can't say I do. I remember Mirko Lippilampi off of hosting the contest because he's probably the Eurovision presenter with the best surname of all time. Uh, talking about a lot of Eurovision presenters on this week's podcast. I'm going to say that the name of the next person on Santa's list, given that they were in Finland uh, and in Scandinavia, uh, was somebody called Sven. A fair answer. I mean, anything could be a fair answer here, but I'm going to go for Benedict. Of course, who else could it be but Svante Stokserius, a very polite and gentle child? 
The supervisor got a shout out. That's nice. I'm surprised actually you can't remember that because that seems to be the sort of thing you would have remembered. I'm just disappointed. The supervisor's part did not get as bigged up back in 2007. Not as much as once uh, big Jon Ola took charge and he seemed to be the centre of attention of, of most contests from there on in. But uh, we should have got that one, shouldn't we? We really should have got that one. Anyway, another chance comes with question two. At the Kotahovi restaurant in Santa's village at Lapland, what do the two most expensive meals on the menu involve? Now, I feel like this would be mean, but I think I know what I'm going to say. And it would be harsh if this is what they were serving. I'm going to go straight in there. I'm not even going to hypothesise about anything else. I think, James, unfortunately, they serve reindeer. Oh, do you know what? I really think you might be right. But, yeah, I don't want to say the same thing as you, so I'm going to pick something else. But I do think you are right. So I'll get a moral point if it is reindeer. You know that as well as I do. Um... But my- Sandra would be livid about that, though, wouldn't he? Talking to wit- Imagine if they accidentally stuck Rudolph on the grill. Oh, how would he then? That would be Christmas. I hope there's no children listening to this podcast, by the way, because that's a very traumatic <laughs> image that I didn't mean to leave them with just weeks before Christmas. <laughs> oh, dear me. I've got to choose an answer, though, and we've had so many of these ridiculous questions about food here on the European quiz, and it normally just ends up being ridiculous. I mean, it was last Normally week. cabbage, the answer. Was, normally yeah, cabbage. It was cabbage last week. I'm going to say that. Maybe it's a little bit of a bit of a red herring or a curveball. I'm going to say cabbage. I'm afraid it's reindeer. You can have it with potatoes, lingam chutney and pickled cucumber, or mushroom, barley groats and root vegetables. Now, I feel bad for a number of reasons here. Uh, one, because uh, reindeer on the grill. I mean, that's... What's the word I'm looking for? Immoral. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, also, y- you did say reindeer too, but I did get there first, so I do get the point, unfortunately for you. I'll take half a point. And uh, no questions asked. How about that? I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to say, is that fair? Probably not. Here's number three. Finally, if you're looking for a live reindeer, you're probably best at Helsinki Zoo, which is an entire island where guests are advised not to litter, not to disturb the animals, and only to walk in a list of eight strict rules. The final rule bans the use of a disposable item, but permits a certain unusual activity... What are guests allowed to do in this rule? Mm, this is questionable. A certain unusual activity in a zoo. Hmm. Neither of us want to say it, do we? <laughs> it's a PG-13 podcast. Um, I've given us our own our own age classification there. I, I, that's not official, by the way, anybody. Um, oh, goodness. We're really tiptoeing around this, aren't we? Aren't we? Um, I this is a bit like when you get um, when you when you're in sex education at school and you all sit in the corner and go, <laughs> she's got a cucumber. Um, oh, this could be anything, couldn't it? Uh, I'm going to say that the, unu- the, the the unusual activity that you are allowed to do is <laughs> uh, jousting. <laughs> didn't expect me to say that, did you? I didn't. I didn't. Oh, dear me. Oh, um, <laughs> how do I choose anything to rival that? I'm going to say, and I know it says do not disturb the animals. However, I'm going to say it involves an animal. <laughs> and I'm going to say uh, you are allowed to partake in zebra racing. <laughs> That's a very black and white answer from you. 
<laughs> oh, very good. You're not going to stick with these cheap jokes. You're better than that. <laughs> Sam, help us. What's the answer? Rule eight. Feel free to grill, but not with a disposable grill. Hopefully, also not with any of the animals. So does that mean that you can bring your barbecue? And does that mean you can bring Rudolph? So long as Rudolph doesn't already live on the island. <laughs> does that mean that you can treat the zoo a bit like a larder? Where you can take one of the animals provided you replace it with another. <laughs> and hope that nobody notices. This has got very brutal. It's not a good podcast for the vegetarian so far, is it? Gosh, it's not. Uh, Shall we move swiftly on? You've scored one point, I've scored zero, so it's another win for you. Thank you very much. Delighted with that, and, well, I hope that any of you thinking about Rudolph and his potential demise there um, don't have any nightmares later. Merry bloody Christmas. This is this is the Euro Trip. Euro Trip. So you are listening to the Euro Trip. We are flying through today's episode. I hope you're having as much fun as uh, listening to this as we are recording it. Uh, but we've reached the point where we delve into the second part of this week's big interview. And if you've forgotten who it is and how could you have done, it's Katazalstrom, the host of Eurovision. Back in 2020 years ago, Rob, when you were but a little bairn. A little bairn, as you would say. Uh, yes, I was seven. Seven years old at the time of the Eurovision Song Contest, 2000. So therefore, I've just been uh, sort of swatting up on some facts about the 2000 Eurovision Song Contest. And we've already told you, of course, it was in the Globen, also the uh, arena of Eurovision 2016. Or as they would put it, the, the Globen. Yes, they probably would, James. Yes, they probably would. Also, I found out about the uh, Globen, by the way, that they uh, an artist stuck a house on the top of the Globen um, in, I think, 2009. A little cottage. Which Sorry, there. I'm not entirely sure what you're trying to say here. They put a house. A little house. On top of it. Yeah, nobody lived in it. It was a, an art um, installation. But if you want to Google it, it's, uh, it's quite something to see. Is it like that peculiar house in the middle of the motorway? You know, on the M6, just up uh, near... This is going well off topic, isn't it? Yeah, this is nice for all of our uh, international <laughs> listeners, isn't it? Yes, it is a bit like that house in the north of England that you've not seen. <laughs> yes, it is like that. Something else that's ridiculous about the 2000 um, contest, which unfortunately the house was not on Globin at the time of the contest, was, and this is a bizarre decision, so as we all know in Eurovision, the postcards are usually filmed in the host country, correct? Correct. In 2000, all of the postcards were filmed in Stockholm, Sweden, except for the postcard of Sweden, which was filmed in Hanover in Germany. I was trying to think of a reason there for why it would have been. Surely, Fountain of Knowledge Rob Lilly has found out why. It was filmed there because it was where Expo 2000 was taking place. That's, that still doesn't really answer the question, really, does it? It does not. It does not. Anyway, should we, uh, should we get back to the reason we're here and the interview with Caddis? I think we probably should. I think we probably should. And we will start part two with an absolute killer of a story from Cassis. Here she is, describing an incident that happened 24 hours before the contest itself. I, I thought about when I was going to talk to you today, I thought about something that I actually forgot, but I remember it now because the, the night before we had all these languages that I said we had to, to learn it by heart. So we were like underground in Globen, this arena, and quite dark places when we wandered 
in in long hall rooms or what do you call it corridor corridors corridors yeah that's it and I was looking in my script and suddenly I went in something that was hanging down from a roof like boink and you know I had such such what happens when you have something in your hair what do you call it uh like a concussion like a lump yeah (laughs) yes (laughs) so you know my makeup artist she did a brilliant job because she had to cover that the day after (laughs) but yeah and then we thought then we thought well now maybe it's time to sleep a little for tomorrow (laughs) did you did you get any chance to to mix with any of the artists from from 2000 well not that much actually they were like very very focused and uh, so, yes, we said hello, but not really hang out, of course, in the party afterwards. But then your horse, you're so high on everything, so you don't remember anything. But um, but yes, a little. What, what is it like after the event? Because it's so actually before we go on to that, let me let me ask you, what's it like to do? And I always feel like maybe and I might be wrong, but this is the most high pressured moment when you are a presenter doing Eurovision to all of these millions of viewers, the points, mm. the points must be very, very difficult for all of to, for you to get all of them right because you've got a voice in your ear and you've got points coming in and you've got technical problems in other countries and yeah. it's very, very difficult and it's a lot at once. It is, it is. And sometimes it's hard to, to, to hear what they say. And, you know, sometimes people, they have their airtime, so they just carry carry away, you know, they get carried away and talk and talk and talk. Oh, this is, uh, this is uh, Poland, uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, they talk and talk. So, yeah, it was difficult. But, you know, we were like having, we were like playing it before. So we, we put up this scenario like it was like real and people called into us. And uh, so, so we really rehearsed it a lot. But yes, it is, uh, it is difficult, but you know, you are so concentrated. I, I never, I don't think I've ever been that concentrated. And you, you, you're not supposed to say wrong numbers. So yeah, it was special. What is the the high and presumably actually the low as well, like after the event? Because you, you build up for so long to something and then three, three and a half, four hours of broadcast and then that's it. You're done. Yeah. That must be very difficult actually to come to terms with. It was, uh, you know, both for because it was like I said, it's it's almost like something happens in your body. You're so high on it, and, and you're you're being working with it so much. So it's we had really what you call this PPD, you know, post production depression. And uh, I I remember that when I woke up the day after and like still having my my uh, what do you call it when you put things in your hair and it gets longer. And I had long fingernails for the first time in my my life. And I was like, and my eyelashes was like up to the ceiling. And I was, my God, what what happened? And then I had some kind of depression, actually. So I I remember that Anders and I, we went out uh, to a restaurant or some cafe. And we was like, just looking at at each other. We we didn't have anything to say. It was just like depressed. Yeah, it was uh, a strange, it was a big black hole afterward. But then after a couple of days, was just very happy that it went well and, and we had so much fun. Given, of course, how big an event Eurovision is and, and how much people in Sweden absolutely love Eurovision, so you knew 
a contest being hosted in Sweden, hosted by you. Everybody's going to be watching. What's it like in kind of the week that follows? Because, you know, do people come up to you in the supermarket and go, oh, I saw you on Saturday. Were you hosting Eurovision? Yes, <laughs> they did. And, and I think both Anders and I, we've been in television for such a long time that we're quite used to it. But the most amazing thing is when you come to Greece, for example, for summer vacation and people recognize you, you know, my God, this isn't true. I mean, if I go to London, I'm always anonymous. But when I went to London or to, to uh, Athens or, you know, like other countries uh, where they might have seen this, that was pre- really funny. <laughs> and they wanted to take pictures. My God, it's never happened before. That was fun. <laughs> your, your link to Eurovision wasn't completely over after 2000 because didn't you give the points in 2003 for Sweden as well? Oh, yes, yes, I did. I, I give, they gave the points, yeah. I mean, it's such a such a short amount of TV time. So presumably that takes, you know, not a lot of prep, but that's something that you know that you have to get right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was even worse, I think, because then you're, you're not in control. I mean, if you're leading the program, you have all the control. But this, like, short thing, it's, no, I think that was hard. One thing we ask everybody, um, you may have an answer, you may not. Um, I presume a lot of people ask you for your favourite Eurovision song. But I, we normally we normally ask on the podcast what your second favorite Eurovision song is. Wow! Yeah, thank you. That's better. That's better. Well, um, hmm. you know, you have some favorites that you remember from when you were a little girl, and maybe you you don't really when you listen today, you're like, oh my god. But I know that I loved it so much by then, so I, I will follow my my girly heart. So then I would say. Um, <laughs> oh my god okay i'm bishop freedom like the second one with this large white guitar so there she is katis alstrom on the podcast would you recognize her if you were in greece or anywhere i don't know why you have to be in greece specifically it sounds like that's where she always goes in the summer holidays maybe it would only be in greece i couldn't imagine her uh, knocking around uh, newcastle upon time much could you uh, but i don't think i'd recognize her no it's nice. That's the level of fame that I always want to be. I want to be the level of fame where you've got a lot of money and you can do what you want, but no one recognises you. That's the dream, I think. Which is great that you're doing a podcast because nobody will recognise your face, will he? No, no, that is true. That is one of the reasons why I like to do this. Although I do get to see your face every week, which is more than enough for me. What a privilege. What a privilege. And i tell you what was a privilege as well, for you at least, to be able to chat to Katniss because she sounds like a thoroughly, thoroughly lovely woman. The story she had were incredible. And one I want to pick up on, actually, is uh, the feeling she said she had once Eurovision was over. And she said she sort of fell into this period of depression. And I know Eurovision fans often flippantly throw around this phrase of post-Eurovision depression. But clearly, for people who take part in, in the contest and host it, uh, clearly this is a real thing. Absolutely. And it makes total sense, doesn't it? If you think, and, and I mean, this isn't a position that I found myself in, but if you think about being a professional athlete who's building up for an Olympic Games, for example, that's only something that comes along every every four years, getting the opportunity to host something like the Eurovision Song Contest, for, for most people, that's only going to happen once in your lifetime if you're lucky. And that's still a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of people. You get to do it then what comes next? So, you know, it makes sense. Like Katis was talking there about her and Anders just sort of sitting afterwards and thinking, wow, kind of what, what do we do now? It, it does make total sense. And and I really appreciate Katis being so honest and open, actually, just about talking about that. Even though it was 20 years ago, it, it is a really interesting thing to talk about. 
No, it really is. Yeah, it's 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 really really nice of her to open up about that and uh, be really honest about those feelings. But she said she she picked back up as well. You know, after a week or so had passed and and everything had settled down and uh, and then twenty years later she gets to speak to you. Highlight of the career. Highlight of a career. She also, by the way, she told me uh, off air because I said, uh, oh, Katis, of course, you are still on Swedish television. What are you up to at the moment? Uh, Katis at the moment is hosting the Swedish version of, uh, and again, this is quite a niche reference, Air Hunters. Uh, no, she's not, is she? She is. So she is hosting a program where families, uh, where they attempt to rather reunite uh, a dead person's money with their family. So that's quite a reach in 20 years from Eurovision to there. This is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. So we are now almost, almost I say, at the end of this week's episode of the Eurotrip, but you know what's coming. It is the one second song again. You've already heard it at home. Rob disappeared though. So for Rob, for the first time, and for you listening at home for the second time, here is this week's One Second Song. <laughs> now, 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 <laughs> we find ourselves in that situation, James, which always makes me feel a little apprehensive because I think I know it. But that, therefore, like I said, makes me a little bit anxious. Why do you feel anxious? Why? Because I think I know it. I think I know it as well because I feel like what you've done here is you've selected a song that we thought could be the one second song a couple of weeks ago. I did say I'd thrown a curveball. Is this a curvy enough ball for you? It's a curvy ball, but I think I've been able to catch it in my grasp. (laughs) So you now have a curvy ball in your grasp. Tell me, what do you think it is? In fact, before we do, let's hear it just one more time. So as you said there, I've got the ball in my grasp. I'm clutching it tightly and confidently. And I think what you've done is a topical one second song. Because, of course, we've mentioned it many times. Uh, Me and James appeared in your podcast feeds as a little treat last Friday with our Melody Festival and Artist Reveal special, looking at the artists who are taking part in Melody Festival in 2021. This could be a very long-winded, incorrect answer. (laughs) It could. For my sake, I hope this is correct. Great promotion for the bonus podcast, but you may be well off the mark. I think the one-second song this week is Sweden, hence the Malfest link, 2011, Eric Sada and Popular. Let's just not beat around the bush, Rob. You've got four points. Hey, delighted. Like I said, I was apprehensive, but I was always pretty confident. The ball was in my grasp. I've slammed it down. I've slam dunked another four points for the podcast. Yep, that's right. Another four points for you. And I've just had word from Alistair Brown from earlier on. Another four points for him as well. So it's points all round. Did you expect it to go that way? Did you expect us both to get it? 
Yeah, I did really, to be honest with you. Uh, I thought I was being clever, but clearly you are more clever than me. <laughs> that, if anything, proved it right there, didn't it? Um, you've, you, yeah, you've picked me some good ones recently, and I think I'm on a bit of a streak now. Having gone so many weeks without either of us getting the one second song, I think I've been doing pretty well recently, so... Who knows, maybe, maybe I'll be nice to you next week, but I, I doubt it. We'll soon see. It's only seven short days until we are back again. We're only going to give you the one podcast this week. We uh, we gave you two last week. It was a bit of a special for you, but uh, we need some rest. We need some rest. We'll be back in seven days' time with a brand new episode of the Eurotrip. But until then, we will be across social media. We'll be on Twitter. We'll be, we'll be on Instagram, at Eurotrip Podcast. So keep up to date with us on there send us any questions send us any messages it's always great to hear from you guys yeah please do honestly you right there you listening right now if you listen to the podcast and you don't really think about anything else you know you listen to it and that's what you do please do let us know if you are a listener to the podcast whether that is just a tweet to at your trip podcast like james has just said and all you say is listen this week that would be lovely honestly it would be brilliant to hear from any of you that listen because we'd love to put faces to the names of those of you that listen every single week and thank you very very much for doing so we've got a brilliant one lined up for you next week james has already done the interview with the big guest and yeah it's going to be a really good one it's a really interesting insight into one of the most talked about Eurovision songs of the last decade, I think it's fair to say. You teed that up nicely, yeah. I'm not going to put it any better than that. No more clues from me, apart from, as Rob says, it's a fantastic insight into, yeah, one of the most, can I say controversial? I think controversial is fine. Yeah, it it, uh, it splits the audience, the song that this performer performed. Uh, so make sure you are back here in seven days' time for a brand new episode of the Eurotrip and in the meantime don't forget to subscribe leave us a review and rate us five stars because it helps us massively to do what we do week in week out that's right thank you so much for listening I've said that many times but honestly we really do mean it it is brilliant to have you along with us every single week and also feel free to share it with somebody new because you know there are so many Eurovision fans out there you definitely know another one so why not tell them about this podcast but until next week I will say goodbye. And from me too, it's goodbye. Fly, baby, fly. Reach in the... Is it cloud of stars? I think it starts followed by reaching the stars. I'm not sure. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.